This is really about being free to create what you want your life to look like. We each are our own hero. And how do we take the challenges that come our way and see those as the birth process of us becoming heroic? Can you meet that judgment that ultimately will surface with neutrality? This is the Wall Street Coach Podcast with Kim Ann Curtin. Aloha, everybody. Just quick mention that this uh, episode with Ellen Rogan, she is giving everybody access to a complimentary copy of her ebook, Great With Money, which is fantastic. I read it over 15, 20 years ago. You'll love it. And I have a free ebook, which you guys have heard me talk about. TraderDiscipline.com is the site you want to go to. And the name of the book is Discipline and Finding Your Edge. I think you'll love it. It's short, sweet, and right to the point. Thank you for watching Wall Street Coach. Enjoy our interview with Ellen Rogan. Aloha, everybody, and welcome back to the Wall Street Coach podcast with me, Kim Ann Curtin and Lucas Peterson. We're so glad today to have Ellen Rogan. Uh, Ellen and I go back, I don't know, 15, 20 years. It's a long time, Ellen. Ellen is just this incredible, incredible wise. Not only has she been a financial advisor, but she has such a clear understanding about the importance of our relationship to money. Uh, her formal bio, she is a CPA and she also has a CFP and she's also an abundance activist, which she'll explain more as we speak to her. Her life's work has been educating, counseling and guiding people to grow their prosperity and to use it as a force for good in their lives and in the world. Uh, she is the co-author of the New York Times bestselling book, Picture Your Prosperity, Smart, Move, Smart Money Moves to Turn Your Vision into Reality. Ellen consults and speaks across the globe on creating success and abundance, and she's also a TEDx presenter. Her work has, has been quoted in national publications like the New York Times, Money Magazine, Time, Forbes, Huffington Post, and she has was also a financial advisor for over 30 years. Uh, Great With Money is another book of Ellen's that I read 15, 20 years ago. I was part of a small group of women who were all working on our money. Ellen was leading us through her book and our own uh, relationship to money. And it's one of the more profound experiences I've had. So I'm so happy to have you here. Welcome, Ellen. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to be here with you. And thank you for that warm and lovely <laughs> my introduction well it's just the truth it's just the truth um you know i was just talking to you about how some of the videos that you have on your website talk about how sometimes the financial world can be really good at scaring the hell out of people <laughs> and making people very afraid of money uh you know our audience are uh, traders investors executives I, I i don't know anybody in all the years i've you know been a coach and listening to sometimes some you know real deep-seated thoughts about money i don't know that i've ever met anybody who hasn't had to do some healing around it or reconciliation or work out with their parents or their parents parents relationship to money was so just tell us what you see about that journey yourself as an advisor for over 30 years what a, yeah what a so um it was a little less than 30 years so we just won't make me as old as oh. i sound <laughs> but thank you um <laughs> That was the thing that was so fascinating to me when I started as an advisor was really people's 
viewpoints and relationships and how they made decisions around money because it varied so much. I could see somebody who's had relatively modest means and just felt prosperous and grounded and like everything was going to be fine. And it usually was. And then people with millions and millions of dollars who were so scared they were going to lose what they had that they self-impoverished themselves. And um, word is so powerful, self-impoverished. I have never heard that word before. So what does that, what does that look like? Take it further just to understand. So you can, um, I, think that people who are growing their money or, or lower on the income scale think like, oh, if I just had a little bit more money, everything would be fine. And at some level, that's true. Like, right, if you can't pay your rent or feed your kids, then of course. But for most people, that extra money doesn't actually make them, we know it doesn't make them happier. Or we can talk a little bit later about what can make them happier when you have more money. But um There's this way, as you said, that based on our upbringings and our, maybe our parents' upbringings, or maybe even your grandparents' upbringings, generationally, it impacts how we view money and this filter that we put around it. And some people put themselves in a situation where they feel um, poor, or sometimes people use the word scarcity. There's such a focus on fear and worry that it's as if they don't have money. And that's how they make their decisions through that filter. Yep, yep. But the the concept of the self, what was the word self? Impoverishment. Impoverishment. So when someone is coming from that place of scarcity or fear, uh, what do you see happens by way of their financial, you know, well-being? What, what, how do they, is it, is kind of self-fulfilling prophecy a little bit? Yeah, it can do a couple of things. So when you said financial well-being, there usually is not well-being when you're coming from that place. Right. And um, a metaphor that I found really helpful for people to get their arms around, like what is really scarcity thinking or abundance thinking yes. to think of it in um, as going against the current or with the current. So my husband, uh, a few years back, did an Ironman competition and he ended up doing really, really well in the swim. Uh, He's a good swimmer, but for his age group, he actually did very well. And part of what helped him besides being a strong swimmer is he was, he did it in Louisville and they swam in the Ohio river and they were swimming with the current. So with the current makes it easier against, if you picture like, can you get ahead with your money and make money if you're scared and pushing against and competitive all the time? Yeah, but it's harder and it doesn't feel as good. And you're always feeling like, oh, I might be going backwards in terms of my success. Yep. And you can have similar, maybe better success when you're going with the current. And And a lot of that, most of it has to do with how you're thinking about money and your relationship with money. Yeah. So because of the market, we're recording this today on March 23rd, 2022. Uh, it is a volatile time. A lot of traders have spoke to that, you know, what did work before is it working now? Uh, what if you are, or you've suddenly had expenses that you didn't expect or, financially change has has happened to you how 
would you recommend people navigate that so that they don't wind up going into that negative kind of spiral? Yeah. And it isn't easy to do. One thing that might be important to understand, there was a book written um, a while back called Scarcity, where the researchers looked at what happens when people's backs are really up against the wall or when they feel like they are, even if they're not, but they were looking at truly people that um, were in difficult situations. When you are operating out of a place of deep fear and anxiety and worry, your IQ actually drops. So you're unable to make good decisions. So sometimes it's really, um, this might sound a little simplistic, but I think it's a really core tenant is to have a contemplative practice or a way for you to take a step back and be able to make good decisions. Cause we know we've seen this with, I mean, everyone's experienced this, or you've certainly observed it with other people that when you're freaked out, you make stupid decisions. Yeah. 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 And so to have, you know, uh, to have someone you can talk to about it, whether it's a peer and just bounce ideas off of um, literally taking some breaths or starting some kind of contemplative practice, um, even just like when you introduced and said, Aloha, I love Hawaii so much. I got the, I got like, Aloha, (laughs) like even if you're (laughs) thinking about an amazing place, being in nature can lower some of that stress. Yep, no doubt about it. It's part of why I live here now, Ellen, to be honest. And and I still have to fight my own scarcity thinking and my own uh, you know, fears. Like the hustle of New York, you know, what is that famous saying about like you think, oh, if I leave a place, then I will change, but you go with you. <laughs> <laughs> and I go with myself here. And that's part of why I live here, because I it does force me to you know, force is probably the wrong word, but it constantly reminds me, come back to center. You are in Hawaii. How did I even get here? You know, it's, but that's, I, it, it, I needed a big reminder because of my own childhood and my own experience with scarcity. So for those who perhaps are coming from, let's say poor or middle-class or any kind of challenging financial background, The other thing I've noticed, too, is the people you surround yourself with can also impact uh, whether you're able to transcend that from your past or not. Uh, Would you be willing to talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, I think that we are um, inspired by the company we keep, which is something I hear from one of my mentors, um, Lisa O'Neill, and that... um, that when you're around, for me, when I'm around really grounded, positive people, that helps me feel better. And the opposite, you know, I have to have really good protection skills when I'm around highly anxious people or take a break, be in nature, find some way to separate from that because that's, it it happens in both realms. Um, And that, you know, the news is, is there is major things happening in the world that um, are troubling and worrisome and our hearts go out to um, people in the Ukraine and other parts of the world where people are suffering. And it's, it's, as humans, it's really easy to, well, first of all, our compassion goes out to them and feel for them, but also get wrapped up in the awfulness of what's happening. And at the same hand, there's also some beauty that's happening. Yeah, 
No doubt, no doubt. So what I'm hearing is it's a matter of being really present to the company you keep and what you're exposing yourself to. For sure. Yeah. And, and that's I, one of the ways to switch from going against the current to with the current. I kind of think of it as this muddy middle and how do you navigate that? And it's easy if you feel like you're getting stuck in the muck there. There yeah. are certain things that are really helpful besides we talked about contemplate, contemplative practices, but in this might feel counterintuitive with building prosperity or wealth. But I've seen for many, many people and experience for myself is when I'm feeling worried, if I'm out there doing something for someone else or financially giving to someone else, it actually draws more prosperity to me. Yeah, it's something in my own experience when I worked with you, you were teaching me that when I uh, don't made a donation to cause that I cared about, that that would put me into a state of abundance, into a state of feeling more than enough. Uh, and it really works, like even in small ways, like depending on where you're at financially, like it's it's not that it has to be a big dollar amount, but it's, it's starting to come to this realization that you actually do have extra, you do have surplus and stepping into that is, it, it does put, it does shift everything. It's like an, an energy shift instantly. Yeah. And, and I'm glad you brought up that, that, the the dollar donation, because of course there's all sorts of research showing that when people do kind acts for people, it helps your health. Uh, kids that do generative acts, making things better for other people are more successful when they become adults, their depression rate is lower. And when you give financially, it kind of loosens the grip that we can have on money, like yeah. this energy. I, I don't have enough, mm. um, but it does make us feel better. There's yeah. something called um, subject. This is oh, I'm forgetting the name. I think it's subjective wealth, but where when you give you, you there's this mechanism where you're telling your brain, oh, I must be wealthy that I'm able to give. <laughs> Right. And giving $500 feels the same as getting like a $10,000 raise. Wow. It, it's, it gives us that um, buzz and boost. That is so amazing. That is so amazing. I love that. All right, so when did, you know, you've had however many years it's been a, a long journey <laughs> in finance. So just take us through where, you kind of start, you, I feel there was a shift even over the years, you know, when we first met and are coming back into each other's lives a few years ago. Well, just if you're willing to share with us what for yourself around money, you've kind of navigated and has brought you to where you are doing what you're doing now. Yeah. So one of the things I realized when I left my practice is that, and I'm coming to realize even more and more, um, is that I'm highly intuitive when it comes to money. Mm -hmm. And I can tell a story about how I, I came yeah. to that realization. Yeah. And, um, and I think I always was part of the reason I think my clients always felt better after we met yeah. is that I just intuitively know what knew what to say to make them feel better and not in a placating way, but in right. a, this is what they need to hear way. And mm -hmm. I used to say, I could tell if someone's going to be okay financially. I don't even have to know any of the details about their financial situation. Wow. And I thought it's because I was listening differently, 
Um, but I realized that I um, really tap into the energy of money and I have conversations with money now all the time and really deliver those to other people. Yeah. So please do share how the intuitiveness showed up for you and yeah. what that what that literally looks like. Yeah. So the initial time, it looks different now than it did, but I think money wanted to like wake me up to like, hey, we can do some great work together. So is it this... Um, this kind of weekend retreat and we were doing this exercise and I was partnered with someone and it was a, about us tapping into our intuition. I was partnered with this guy, James, and um, the way the activity worked is he was to think about something he had going on with money. And I stood behind him with my hands on his shoulders. And when he turned around, I was to just deliver a message. And what came out of my mouth was clearly not Ellen Rogan's words. So what came out of my mouth was F you, but I didn't say F you. I said that whole thing. You, I don't like the way that you are. You think like it's not spiritual to have a relationship with me. And I just don't want to hang around you. And I'm like, oh, okay. That woke me up because I do swear, but not to people I don't know that well and not at them <laughs> like that. And, um, and he goes, oh, wait a second. And he pulled out from his shirt this pendant someone had give, given him. And he goes, Ellen, one of my clients gave me this and it's the patron saint of poverty. And he took it off. And all of a sudden I stood next to him and walked next to him and said, now I want to be with you. And afterwards I was like, whoa, what was that? Yeah. And I saw um, James a couple of years later. I'm like, can I share this story? He goes, oh my God, yes. And I need you to know since that evening, everything has changed. I mean, he looked different. He was all like, professional looking, but not in a weird way. And right. he said, money's working great. I have clients lined up around the door now. And um, yeah, so then I just started playing with it. I'm like, well, that was really cool. And yeah. what I'm finding now is when I'm delivering my call messages from money, they're very affirming for people. I don't swear at people. Anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not like shaming, like, you yeah. know, like that. Yeah. It's really... Um, and I found like, as I've been doing this longer and going back to people, they'll tell me shifts they had, and I don't really understand how they happen, the yeah. healing that happens for some people, but it's really fun. And I feel like this and doing the speaking and some of the training I do is really the work that I was meant to do. Yes. And I knew there was something more when I left my practice, I'm just getting more and more clear on what that is. Yes. You know, and I want to say that that initial, uh, you know, comment coming through you. It's what if that's exactly what made him hear it? You know, like, I, I feel like if any kind of energy or spirit or source money or anything else, it needs to get our attention and grab us sometimes by the lapels and say, Hey, what the hell, you know? So let's just talk a little bit more about, you know, the concept of spiritual uh one person i remember i think the word was a money monk you know the people who are wanting to do good in the world who have big hearts who do want to make the world a better place and they're i have noticed e even for myself you know i i definitely addressed this years ago but who knows it could still be there on my un unconscious but that sense of I, even with some traders, at, at times I almost think I hear 
it's it's like a bit of a glass ceiling that this is okay but to go beyond this is potentially putting me at risk because of perhaps how they grew up thinking that you know just you think of the phrases right you can't get through the eye of a needle um to have an, a rich man what is it a rich man can't get through the eye of a needle it's easier to I don't even know what the phrase is, but it's something that demonizes having being rich, having a lot of money. And I'm just curious what you have noticed about that. Like, how do people shift out of uh, old beliefs about money or generational beliefs? Yeah. Um, and there are tons of those things like it's got to be really hard. Um, I was working with a woman who had a really core belief. Like, um, I cannot be in a relationship and be really successful in my business. Mm. Wow. Really? And then, you know, through conversation, sometimes it's just pulling it out or sometimes it's just realizing, well, are there other people that have really good relationships? Like you can see right. examples right. or having someone, you know, we, we, I don't even remember how we cleared that for her, but the next time I talked to her, she was in this great relationship. Like, I don't know if it had anything to do with me, but I'm going to take a little credit for it. Yeah. Um, or, or, uh, rich people are awful. Like that's a big one. They're oh, yeah. dishonest. They're yes. uh, mean. And we all have this. I um, remember saying to somebody like, oh, there's these people that build this big house in our neighborhood and you know, they've got a lot of money, but they're really nice. Yes. Why, is that? Like, why would that be mutually exclusive? <laughs> like, and, and, it, it, but we have these beliefs. So sometimes yeah. Kim is just taking them out and examining them. Like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Right. Um, and I think that's a lot of it. There's all this stuff playing in the background that we don't even realize is the um, water we're swimming in. Yeah. Yeah. And you spoke a moment ago. Uh, I've heard this too uh, around you have to work hard to make money. So talk a little bit more about that one. Yeah. And so what happens is if you're worried about not having balance in your life or good relationships, there's this, and if you keep them together, that it, it has to be really hard work, then you're going to put that invisible ceiling, as you said there, like, yeah. why would I want that? I do value other things. And yeah. I don't think it has to be that, that it has to be hard work is that swimming against the um, swimming against the current yeah. and that what if it was swimming with the current? What if you just loved what you did and it was fun and it didn't feel like work and you had balance. I have sitting on my desk. Um, people who are watching this. will see, but for those who are listening, it's an easy button. I'll push it. That was easy. <laughs> and like, sometimes like, what if it just was easy? Like, what if that's possible? And I know this sounds like ridiculous, but if I get stuck with something and this used to happen when I had my, all my team had one, when I had my financial advisory practice, and if we were working on something, we could just couldn't figure out, we'd push the easy button wow. and somehow we're like, oh, like, here's what we can do. Yeah. Yep. Totally. Yeah. So it's, it's mindset. Lucas, I'm going to pause and let you ask a question or two. No. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a great thing. Um, that, that idea that easiness, especially for traders, um, you know, what I see, I think, I don't know what it is. Maybe you can, we can talk about this for a minute, but just, I feel like sometimes we overcomplicate it. And I don't know if that's a human thing or uh, it sounds like it is based on what you just said, like, it, but yeah. what, what are ways that we can 
make it easy? Like what, when we're bumping into that wall, like what are ways that we can step back to make it more clear? What have you seen successful? Yeah. So um, some of it is taking a break because I think there's this work ethic where it's like, Mm. I have to just keep grinding. Like it's a grind. It's supposed to be work or it wouldn't be work. And that um, to really honor that those breaks are actually healthy. Like I think of some of my most creative ideas when I'm running and listening to some silly podcast, maybe they're not even silly, but I come up with um, really interesting ideas like that. And so to honor that those breaks are actually things that can move you ahead. Sometimes you have to slow down to speed up. Um, and, And yeah, especially if you're feeling kind of stuck on something and some of it can be a physical somatic thing. Like, what is it feeling like? Is it, you know, one of the ways I describe against the current or with the current is against the current is restrictive. So if I just say the word budget, yeah, how, how does that feel? Yucky. <laughs> like no one, no, maybe there's somebody, most people don't like that word. If I don't say budget, maybe say diet. It's that right. same right. feeling. <laughs> so how can you reframe things a little bit? and take a break and look at it a little bit differently. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. In your book, uh, your, it's picture your prosperity. Talk about some of the practices you teach Yeah, in that book. Yeah. So um, what, what I think I, um, really appreciate about, I mean, this sounds like funny for me appreciating what I wrote in the book with my co-author Lisa, yeah. but it's this kind of yin yang. Like we live in a material world. So yeah. it's not all about um, chanting Om and sitting on your meditation pillow, waiting for the universe to provide, like you have to take action. And if you're just in that left brain material world, you're missing out on all this intelligence that's there, all this vision and creativity that happens when we tap into another part of us, whether it's our intuition or our creative self for those breaks. So one of the things that we go through in the book is about creating a prosperity picture. So for any of you familiar with what a vision board is, it's similar in some respects that you're taking images that are um, represent goals that you have and placing them on a board so you can see them. The thing that we've done that's different is there's quadrants on the board. So that can represent whether you want things to happen sooner or later, five years or less or more, and if they cost money or they don't cost money. So um, I'm, I just keep looking over here because I have my oh. prosperity picture. I'll show you guys Perfect. Please notes do. that are up there. But this is the one that I'm playing with now. And I update it every, I don't know, six months or a year, whenever something feels like, oh, I need a new one. Yep. And the things that are on the top of the board, things that require money are um, ones you can have. It's like a visual financial plan. Sometimes people are amazed at all the things on the bottom of their board. Like, wow, I didn't realize so much of what I desired in life doesn't even cost money. Wow. Um, And what I found is I always put on my board now, this or something better because there's been some really fun things that have happened for me personally. So our original board had when we, right before we um, launched the book, I had the New York times bestseller logo on there. So I had the New York times on there and the Sunday before the book was released, we were written up in the New York times uh, mutual fund section on our book. And I was like, yeah, we had a PR company, but like, I didn't even know that was in the realm of possibility. Right. Right. And so I was like, well, that was cool. Um, 
And then I've had on my board for a while, a picture of Australia and New Zealand. And part of the reason I had that is I've had a goal for many years to be hired to speak in Australia, um, getting flown over there, bring my husband. And part of the reason I did that is I think I want to live there part of the year, but I've never been there. So I'm like, maybe I should visit first before I move. And this year I found out I'm speaking in August for this big insurance conference in Sydney. Yay. So it's been there like sometimes, you know, this is the thing with goals. Um, they don't always happen in our time frame, but if they're really important and meant to be, I do believe that they show up in our lives. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I'm with you. I'm so excited that you're going to get to go there and suss it out and see if that's the place for you too. What, what would you say is appropriate for people to begin to at least uncover what their money beliefs are? How, how does somebody begin to just do that? Yeah. To the extent that you can be noticing and mindful of the things you say out loud or the things you think about money mm-hmm. and, and just be noticing like I did with that neighbor. Yeah. Oh, they're very wealthy, but they're nice. Or, and I think that what I found really helpful lately is when I notice a feeling of in my stuff, you know, I get, when I feel anxious, it's in my belly to notice that, like, what was the thought I had right before I had that feeling? Beautiful. And that might be um, something that's a clue like, oh, that's a thought that's not really serving me right now. And I think it's important for everyone to just remember, just because you think something doesn't mean it's true. Yeah. 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 Very, very. I just want to tell a quick story. So I was um, in, we were in um, the Asheville area for the month of February and we were in this little cute town called Black Mountain. And we passed this gifty store with all these um, little things in the window. And my husband was really nervous about something he was working on. And the sign in the window said, imagine what could go right. And he looked at it and he goes, and I go, Oh, that's perfect for you. And what he read was imagine what could go wrong. And he goes, why would you tell me to get a sign like that? It was like, he goes, it says, imagine what could go wrong. We have this filter over as you can't even see what's going on. And I laughed about it. Like that is not what that sign it says. Oh my God. It's like, he was already he's reading it the way he perceives that yeah. thought. Yeah. Yeah. So when you said it's also around the people you have around you. So sometimes you just need somebody who's also not as freaked out and worried. To be like <laughs> time out. Read the sign again. Because <laughs> it actually says. <laughs> it actually says. <laughs> Something completely different. <laughs> that is such a great story, Helen. That is a great story. One of the things I love is that even your messages from money, I've it, it it's like, what's that word? I may pronounce it wrong, but it's an anthrom anthromizing as though it's a person, money itself. And I feel that that helps people connect to it differently. Yeah. One of the exercises along the way in your book or another book talks about like, if you were to have a conversation with money, what would money have to say to you? Like, what, what does money need from you? What does money want from you? Like, imagine it like an intimate relationship because it is an intimate relationship. So yeah. Just, 
a little bit more about that. Yeah. So if you, you know, people say, okay, so I was um, running a small workshop and this woman there was like, I hate money. I hate money. And I was like, whoa, if you were, and actually she had been in a difficult situation, but then came out of it. I'm like, thinking you should love money. Money like came to your rescue. Yeah. Um, but if you were in a relationship with someone and you constantly were saying, I hate you, or I don't trust you're going to be there for me. Yeah. Or how about this? I just don't want to deal with you. Let somebody else deal with you. Like if, how would that, how would that work? It wouldn't be a relationship that would work very well. And I think that does help people that think about, first of all, you are in a relationship with money, but if you were to imagine it as a personal relationship, would you guys have a good one? Right. Yeah. And what does somebody do if they realize they don't really have a relationship with it or they're disconnected to their beliefs? Just just begin to start to identify what those beliefs are. Yeah. Well, that's one thing. It can be... Um, you know, I love taking people through a, an exercise of just getting really quiet and peaceful and having money, imagining money whispering in your ear a message. Mm. What would it be? And then just start journaling and, you know, money, what do you want me to know? And invariably people come up with these just beautiful things like I am here for you. I have big plans you know, whatever that is, because I do think that we all have the ability to tap into that intuition and to have conversations with our money. If, if you can suspend belief a little bit, if that's outside of your realm of comfort, then maybe you're just journaling, like, what do I need to know? And eventually, you know, sometimes we have to get the junk out, but eventually those positive messages are going to come through for you. So that's one thing someone can do. Yeah, beautiful. That's a great technique to try. Uh, With regards to just the concept of comparing, right? We talked earlier just a little bit about that. Definitely happens in the trading uh, community. You know, I think even for traders who are ready to up level, they sometimes will look, let's say, at the trade, let's say a trader who's at a higher level and compared themselves to them uh, with without a lot of context. You know, maybe they see a picture on Twitter of a fancy new watch or car or what have you. What is the best way to, you know, uh, I, I think it's always tricky for me because on one hand I want, I think it's always good to have goals and to be striving towards uh, developing yourself, developing your trading always going to the next level, but how does one balance that with this constant comparing themselves? How would you advise somebody? Yeah. And it can happen with your income. It can happen with material things. It can happen with like what car someone's driving for sure. Um, One of the things that I think can lower that is when you notice like, oh, I'm feeling bad about myself because I'm not doing as well. I should be the sense of I should be doing better, I think is pervasive in lots of yes. um, industries, certainly with trading, certainly the industry that I do a lot of work in, which is financial services. One of the things I think is, is helpful is to pause and do a deep dive in thankfulness and gratitude. 
And I know that might sound a little ushy gushy to some people, but yeah. it is one of the most powerful things you can do. It shifts. So if you can think of, okay, what am I thankful for right now? And it can be, um, you know, I'm thankful there's a roof over my head. I'm thankful I live where it's, it's not a war zone right now, or I'm thankful that there's, a, I'm breathing yeah. that I, you know, am in good health or whatever it is. There's always something we can be thankful for. And research has shown not only is it beautiful for our health, that grateful people actually make more money. Uh-huh. And um, there's been several different studies on this. If you just think logically, like who wants to be around someone who's a jerk right. and unappreciative, but I think it, it's a reset from some of that comparison. Yeah. And that yeah. is a good, like easy, quick thing to do. So because of what you just spoke to, I'm going to play devil's advocate. And let's say those who are listening to us now are like, well, then how come there's so many selfish pricks out there that have a lot of money? (laughs) If that's true, why does money like to be around them? Yeah, well, you know, I think it's to look at the whole picture. Would you trade your life for theirs? Maybe you think maybe, but um it doesn't necessarily mean that they're happy or content, that they have good relationships, that the whole picture, the word prosperity, one of the definitions is success and thriving. And that's one of the reasons I like that word so much more than maybe just being rich. Yeah. Because that doesn't mean anything. Yeah. We've all seen yeah. celebrities that have crashed and burned. Yep. Um, so I think that, yeah, there are people that have tons of money, but once you, it, you know, I, in, in it, and in, in what would it be like if you had that? How, how could you use it for good? You know, one of the things I've found really helpful for people is when you think about your goals is to think about who else will win when you achieve that wow. your family. It might be, you know, um, I could give a whole lot more to charity. I could change the world with yeah. this and you don't need to be, um, you know, Mackenzie Bezos or Oprah yeah. or, you know, yeah. Warren Buffett giving like tons of money. It could be, as you said earlier, a small amount, but it makes us feeling really good and making a difference for people. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. For people who are coming from perhaps, you know, a different lifestyle, there are those who in these last two years found themselves with more wealth than they could have ever imagined. Uh, I know years ago when I had unexpected financial abundance, I found it disorientating and kind of scary at times, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, what what would you suggest to those people who are, it, I wouldn't, maybe they're not even feeling what I'm feeling, but I think that sense of what now and how do I navigate this in the healthiest way? Uh, what, what would you say to them who find themselves mm-hmm again, lots of money that perhaps they, they probably worked undoubtedly very hard for it, but it's just different than perhaps. Yeah, they- I think it's such a great question to ask because it could easily dissipate like people that have won the lottery. This yes. is not the right statistic, but it's something like 90% yes. end yeah. up with no money at the end right. because they weren't, they didn't do the inside game to be ready for that. Yeah. There might still be that playing there of, Um, It wasn't that hard, so I don't deserve it. It's supposed to be hard work. And this flew into me Yes. or rich people are dishonest. Well, why would I want that? I'm a good 
person. Um, and so a lot of self-discovery is really important. And whether it's you get an outside advisor to help you really do a plan so that it doesn't go away or you do internal work around what do I really believe that you, how can I do some good with this? Because yes, you can buy all this material things. And I don't think that's bad, like beautiful, mm-hmm. surround yourself with, with beauty and things that are important to you, but that doesn't bring happiness. Yeah. the material parts. Um, yeah. I had mentioned earlier that when they found that if people, people are familiar with this study, that if you make over something like 70 or $80,000, a little bit more money doesn't make a material difference for you yeah. unless you use it to help other people. Wow. Interesting. And that does boost your happiness level. Wow. That's really something. Yeah. I think that can happen sometimes that like, oh, that was easier than I thought it was going to be. And now how do I reconcile with that going forward? Does it, does it, and, and also perhaps even just with what we're dealing with now with the market, like, was that just a one-off perhaps, you know, like, again, all of these are just thoughts that potentially take us down that road of what, what that, what your husband thought that sign said. Yeah, right. So, and I think this discovery part is so, you know, for you to figure it out for yourself, but to make sure you're doing work on that so that you don't just blow it off. Cause that will make you feel worse than feeling like I didn't deserve it or whatever. And it happens all the time with people that then they, um, they don't know how to handle it. So they find ways for it to just disappear. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about working hard for a minute. Uh, traders have to work pretty hard to succeed. Uh, and there is also, you talked about that contemplative and that stillness. I caution against overwork. I see a lot of traders overwork. A lot of that is just, you know, because they have to have screen time, but it on occasion feels like too much. And I also understand that certain periods of our life is there are seasons where work, work, work is perhaps part of that growth, part of what they're creating for themselves for the future. But what just speak to that balancing of there's seasons for overwork and times when it's just too much. Yeah. I love the way that you say there's seasons because it does go like this, but um, I think that two, a couple things to really be paying attention to how is it affecting you physically and how is it affecting your relationships? Cause it's easy to justify, no, I'm doing this for you. Like if you're a family person, um, and, and that balance really does, um, bring your energy back. I remember I have a lot of women that I close friends with that many of them were staying at home with their kids when I was uh, working and being uh, working outside the home, they were working, but and in parts of it, I really um, felt, you know, badly about that. I was, I had some like, oh, I wish I could have like that friend group. Later on, I saw there was benefits from what I did, um, and there was guilt. But one of the things that happened that I then later realized was that when I was with my girlfriends, these are women that I've been friends with, some of them since preschool, Wow, my energy level rose. I was more creative. Wow. I, you know, because I spent so little time with friends, I was with networking or work or my family. Right. Right. And so sometimes like what is really energizing you? It doesn't mean that 
it was a bad decision to not have like all that time with them, but to create those things that give you energy. Yeah. Maybe it's your physical activities. I ran a bunch of marathons, even at most busy times. And I found that that was like a great way to self-regulate. That's awesome. Um, Pets. We have some of you may have, if you're watching the video, may have seen my dog jump off the couch (laughs) over to the, but they for he, she forces me to take breaks. Yes. Right. In her sweet little, her name's honey way. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Time to go outside, Ellen. Time to go outside. (laughs) What question did I not ask that I should have? Oh, I love that. I would say, you know, the overall thing that if I was to leave with one message I most want people to hear is that um, that generosity really precedes prosperity. Mm. So this idea of not, I, I kind of hate the term giving back, like, oh, I want to give back. Like, why don't you give forward? Wow. And that whether that's money or whether that's uh, referrals or business to other people, it, if you give without necessarily an expectation of something in return, mm-hmm. I know you know this, it, it flows back to you. It feels great. And um, so I would say that is like my favorite prosperity strategy. Yeah, that's beautiful. Really beautiful. Thank you so much. Lucas, yeah. any questions left that you had? No, I was, I was curious as around the idea of, you know, like that idea of like self-destruction almost that people go through, but I feel like we, we really covered that well yeah. with, you know, the lottery examples and yeah, yeah. it was, it's fascinating stuff. I'm, I'm really fascinated by people's relationship with money. It's yeah, it's, and I don't think it gets enough attention no, from, from the industry, but also from individuals They're you know, our focus can be so on the left brain part of like, how do I do this trading strategy? How do I, you know, and some people um, do you do a lot of work on their consciousness around it, but I think the beautiful balance happens when they're married. When you're doing the work in the in the material world, but you're also knowing there's this ethereal world that's at play. Yeah. When did the ethereal world really become pronounced for you? I think it always was. It wasn't the tapping into my intuition, yeah. but I became fascinated. Well, when I think back, like my favorite shows growing up were ones where there was like magic or witches. You know, I remember Mary Poppins. I thought, wouldn't that be cool to just have my room clean itself? (laughs) (laughs) Or reading the Harry Potter books with with our son. And I'm still fascinated by that and how our minds can really create that magic. Yes. And when we take that and put it into the world, but it's this unbelievable way to set the stage you know, practicing how you want a meeting to go before we started taping, we talked about what our intention was for this. And so to visualize that ahead of time is really a powerful strategy. And then you take action. Yes. Yes. So even for those who are sitting at their trading desk, I'm always an advocate of like, what is it that you're sitting there for? Is it, are you clear on that intention? So what I'm hearing from you is this can be applied to everything, whether you're a trader, an investor, get clear on what your motive is. And the other side is if it's someone like if you're having a meeting with someone, an important meet, like what do you, what is your intention for them too? 
Hmm. and how will it serve them? So yes, maybe your intention is that they hire me or, and why, like, what's the value going to be for them so that you're looking at both sides. That's that generosity piece of it. And I think it really, people will feel that as well. Maybe the computer screen won't, I don't know. I haven't played in that world. Right. Right. You know, like if you're in a meeting with somebody, they're getting your energy, even if it's over video, they'll get where if you're just trying to grab something for them, or you really want it to be a uh, win for everybody. Yeah. Contribution to them. Definitely. What do you think, do you ever have a conversation with money around what it wants, let's just say for the world? Or uh, one of the messages that comes through a lot is to to, a couple of things, lower the worry. Like it is not a financial strategy. People feel like, but I need to, you know, there's this energy like of that's just the way it is. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And the other one is like, Hey dude, stop blaming me for all the problems in your life. Like it's, (laughs) you know, I I don't want to hook up. Like let's really be in a relationship. That's awesome. Um, and like use it as a force for good. Like that's why, you know, I, I do believe that that's what money sees, why this is coming through me and other people that are having conversations with money now is like, how do we make the world better? There's plenty of resources out there. They just need to be allocated in ways. And I don't care what that is. Everyone's going to have a different cause or maybe it's someone in your personal life. Maybe it's a charity. Maybe it's um, world events that you want to help make better. Yeah. Beautiful. Helen, thank you so much for coming today. This conversation could go on and on because it is, it's so fundamental. And as you said, not nearly spoken about as much as it needs to. So hopefully this gets everybody who's listening to us in the conversation Please pick up Ellen's books to help you on that journey. Uh, Picture Your Prosperity, of course, is is the one we talked about today, but Great With Money is really excellent as well. Even though that's much older, I still love it. Um, Thank you. I hope you'll come back on in the future. Oh, it's my honor to be here with you. Thank you. Thank you both for having me. Thank you. Thank you for watching the Wall Street Coach Podcast. We'll see you guys on the next episode. This is the Wall Street Coach Podcast with Kim Ann Curtin. You can download Kim's free ebook, Discipline and Finding Your Edge, at TraderDiscipline.com. And learn more about working with Kim and her team at TheWallStreetCoach.com. And if you're feeling generous, please leave a rating and review wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening.